My name is Kendrick. I'm a pastor here at Calvary Church West Hills. It is great to be back home today. Um, as many of you know, know uh, the last almost two weeks I've been in Fort Myers, Myers Florida, helping with disaster relief after Hurricane uh, Ian. And um, I got back late last night, so I've told Donnie if I start going to other places, just stay with me with the slides, and we'll do uh, the best we can, but it is a good time. Most of you, the number one question that I get is, what do you do on disaster relief? Like, so what do you do? And my computer just died, so that's it. Um, well, it's pretty simple. So we've got a slide up here. We do something called mud out. That's the number one thing we do. So that right there, it looks like a garage. That was a mother-in-law suite, right? That was a house, and we go in there, and we help clean them up. And if you look at the next picture, uh, that's what it looked like. We got another picture. We go in there, and we spray like a, a spray on there that kills all the mold that's in the house. One of the houses that we went to, they only had an inch and a half of standing water on the second floor, right? The entire first floor uh, completely underwater. So we tear out all the walls. We tear out, um, we remove all the furniture that's covered in mold. We spray it. We had chainsaw teams that would go out to different locations and do debris removal. So trees that had fallen on sheds or houses, and we removed that debris for them. We had a mass feeding unit. Uh, they made anywhere from 900 to 2,500 meals uh, in the morning before 8 o'clock because then they give them to the Salvation Army who took them out and was distri- distributing them all over the place. Um, Fort Myers Beach, Florida, is where the, it's an island, and it's where the hurricane came and first hit. Um, the hurricane was a month ago, and last week when I was there was the first time they opened that island up to the residents. And so there was nothing there, so we sent out food uh, to the island to help um, support them. So we do all of those things. But all of those things are just temporary pain relief, right? The thing that we do, the most important thing that we do is show and share the love and hope of Jesus with the people that we meet. All the other stuff is temporary But that is something eternal, and that is what we focus on, right? The most important thing we do is not church cleanup or house cleanup. We don't just clean up houses. It's not to cut down trees. It's not to pass out food. The most important thing that we did was share Jesus with our words and to share Jesus with our works. Not works that save you, because those don't exist, but works that point people to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that was our goal, is that we would be able to share and point people to Jesus. Um, as always, right, when you go on a missions church, a missions trip to serve others, to care for others, to minister to others, who does God work on the most? Right? He works on you. That's right. You come back different. I can tell you right now, I'm still processing. Just got back last night. Um, had a lot of time on the plane to think through this, but God is changing in me. He's growing in me. He's, he's teaching me. And just as always, I came back, I believe, more blessed than those that I went to serve. And God used that time. He blessed me, and he taught me a ton this week. And guess what? I got about 30 minutes to share all of it with you this morning. I broke my watch. Sorry, 
but we're going to do some learning, all right? So as we are continuing our study in evangelistic prayer, I'm going to use this time to share with you a couple things that God taught me about praying on this trip. So I want you to go ahead and, and open up your, bottle, your Bibles to Colossians. Bottles. I told you, a couple hours of sleep, right? Holy Spirit still works when we're tired, and we're going to do this. But I, I believe there's some lessons that he taught me that will help you with your evangelism. And I know that's what we love talking about, evangelism. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk a lot about it today. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Colossians. For the first three weeks, we've been talking about prayer being the most important part of evangelism. We're going to continue that today. And if we look at this, towards the end of this letter, we see that Paul gives some guidance on how to pray. And I believe that this These instructions, these lessons that he taught are very, very important to evangelistic prayers. So go ahead, turn to chapter 4 and just begin reading with me in verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul writes this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the, mag- the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And just in those few verses, those couple verses, Paul gives us three important guidelines that we can apply to praying evangelistically. Right? The, the first thing he tells us is that we need to be steadfast in prayer. Right? This means that we need to be unwavering that we need to be persistent, that we need to be faithful, that we need to continue to be praying, right? We need to pray always, that we are committed to prayer. And church, I want to tell you that on this trip that we were on, we were committed to prayer. Every morning we had personal prayer time. And after that personal prayer time, we would gather up with the other teams there. We had teams from Arizona, teams from Tennessee, teams from Missouri, teams from Texas. And we would gather in this place and we would pray together as a group. And then as soon as that meeting was over, the California team would go out to our vehicles. What do you think we did? We prayed. Right? We, we prayed together for the work that we were going to do. We prayed that God would be glorified. Then we got in our vehicles and we drove to the house. And guess what we did before we started working on the house? We grabbed the homeowners and we prayed with them. Then we prayed at lunch. Then when we were leaving, we grabbed the homeowners again and we prayed with them. And then we got back to the site where everybody was staying and we gathered for dinner. And as a group of all these different states, we prayed together. And then after we prayed together, the California team went and we had a team meeting and we prayed together. Right? We prayed every day. We prayed And those are just the the group prayers that I'm talking about. I can't even begin to start to tell you about all of the individual prayers that we had, all the opportunities we had to share with people. For example, we were working on our last house, and we have a team chaplain with our team, and as we're working on the house, they're speaking with the family, they're talking with neighbors, they're talking with the people in the area, and the team chaplain comes up to me and says, hey, Kendrick, I got somebody I need you to meet. I said, great. So... She brings this guy to me. His name is Cash. He's a big man. 
Cash has a tactical vest on. He has magazines and guns on his hips. And I'm like, why do I need to talk to this guy? (laughs) And Cash, we start talking, and Cash tells me his story. We all have that story. Cash was an army veteran, and now he was hired by FEMA to do contract security. And he's telling me his story, and we get to talk, and there's, uh, well, it's the same story that all of us have. Things were not going right. There's questions in his relationship. There's questions with his child. He's struggling with these different things, not to mention this hurricane came through. Now, he didn't live in the area. He was contracted from Miami. But he's telling me his story. And as he's telling me his story, it comes to find out he knows Jesus. He knows who Jesus is, but he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. So we get to talk to him about this Jesus and how Jesus loves him, right? Jesus desires, we looked at this in 1 Timothy, Jesus desires to have a relationship with him. Jesus desires for him to know truth, and we get to share that with him. And after I shared that with him, what do you think we did? We prayed. Right? We prayed again. And as I'm talking with him, he was comfortable just knowing of Jesus, but now he's thinking about a relationship with Jesus. Right? And there were so many prayers that happened like that throughout all of our time there. This is not a trip debrief. I'm not going to sit here. I am going to talk about DR the whole time, but I'm not going to go into great details about it. But this was amazing, right? God was doing amazing things, not just with like materials and cleaning out rooms, but he was grabbing people's hearts. He was drawing people towards him. There's things, doing things in the lives of people like Jake and Daniel and Keith and Adelia and Linda and so many others. And it all started with prayer with them. And as a team, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I'm not exaggerating if I told you that we spent more time in prayer every day than we actually did doing mud outs, than we actually did doing other work or debris removal. We prayed yes we were there to do work yes we were there to serve the community but more importantly we were there to introduce people to Jesus we were there to share the life that Jesus has for people and we know that the most important part of sharing Jesus with people is sharing people with Jesus and we did and we spent hours in prayer See, when we are praying for people that don't know Jesus, when we're praying for the lost, it is not a one-time event. It's not something that we pray once and then walk away, but it's something we need to do steadfastly. It's something we need to do faithfully. It is something we need to do over and over and over and over again. We need to pray steadfastly, faithfully, for them to come into a real relationship with Jesus. That was the first thing that Paul teaches us. The second thing is Paul says that we need to be watchful in our prayers with thanksgiving. Right? This means that we need to have an attitude of thanksgiving in our prayers. Right? That our prayers should be joyful as we pray. Right? As we pray to Jesus, we are reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us. As we pray to Jesus, our hearts are to be filled with the love and the grace and the mercy and the justice that Jesus showed us on the cross, right? The love and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And even on our worst days, his grace should lead us to grateful worship of who he is, right? His grace should be reflected in our prayers with gratitude and joy as we speak to the Father, 
Church, I don't want to embarrass anybody that was on my team. I don't want to talk about ages. I'll just say this. I was the only person on my team that was not retired. I was the only person not retired. And after, right, all of them worked so hard. After moving waterlogged furniture all day, after shoveling mud all day, after ripping out drywall all day, after tearing tiles off of floors and on stairs all day, they had the luxury of going and taking a cold shower in a little box. And then it gets better. After that, they went and had dinner out of a little styrofoam thing that when you stuck your food, sometimes your fork would go through it. But then it gets better because then they went to go sleep on an old cot that every time you moved it, and you wondered, is this going to be my last night? Right? Is this going to work out? And guess what? All the guys are in the same room. Hey, wives, you think your husband snore? Let me tell you something. Right? It was a symphony taking us to sleep every night. I remember one guy said, I couldn't fall asleep until they got into a rhythmic snoring contest. Right? And I was finally able to to go to sleep. Oh, it gets worse. Where do you think the nearest bathroom is? Right? It's like 50 yards away. And if you go use the bathroom and you got to come back, you have to wait for the rhythmic storing to start again. Right? And so it is just a nightmare. Your body hurts all the time. You're, you're, You're not getting good rest. Not to mention you just laid on the cot for the last hour because you're like, I'm not walking to the bathroom. I'm going to go back to sleep. I know I can go back to sleep. You know that never works. However, every time this group got together to pray, their hearts were filled with joy at what Jesus had done for them. Right? Their hearts were filled with joy anticipating what Jesus was going to do for each of those people that we got to meet with. For each of those people that were lost and hopeless and scared, we were grateful because we know the answer, right? And we were excited to see what Jesus was going to do. We were joyful at the opportunities that Jesus was giving us to manifest his love and his grace for each one of those people. And you could hear it in our prayers. We were so excited even in this letter, as Paul writes this letter, he's in prison. Paul is in prison. He says, your prayer should be filled with thanksgiving. Paul doesn't know when he's getting out. Paul doesn't have good behavior. He's not getting a whole bunch of food. He's in a, a pit, in a, a, a hole, maybe chained up. And he's telling people, hey, be thankful. Right? You know Jesus. And as we prayed with others, we were so, they we're so amazed at the joy that we expressed, the joy that they heard in our prayers from us knowing Jesus. Just by filling our prayer with gratefulness for who Jesus is and what Jesus did, the people that were with us, the people that heard us, had hope. Right, for the first time in a month, they started to have hope in their lives. Right, here we are from California, this team from California, and that was really, really big news in Florida. On Sunday, we went to this church service before we began work, and some people came up, and we introduced ourselves, and they said, where are you from? And we said, California. 
there's Christians in California? <laughs> like, whoa, right? That was amazing to what they thought. Praise God for you guys. We didn't know there was any left. No, there's a whole bunch of churches, a whole bunch of people that love Jesus, right? But we came to serve these people and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And here's the great part. Right? We always say, I don't know what to say when I'm sharing Jesus. How do we share Jesus? You know what makes it really easy? When somebody asks you, tell me about Jesus. Right? That's a great introduction. Hey, why are you doing this? I'm so glad you asked. Right? Like, I don't have to think of this weird way to start this spiritual conversation. You just asked me about Jesus, so I get to tell you about Jesus. Right? Because when I was lost and I was broken and I was hopeless, right? when I was running from God, he reached out, he grabbed me. Right? He, he loved me so much that he sent his son to the cross to die for me. Even though I was still lost in my sins, our God loved me and sent his son to die for me. He loved me so much that he took my shame and my guilt and my fears. He took those to the cross with him and he exchanged them for joy and peace and hope. We get to tell them this. And we, we, we say, but here's the deal. He doesn't just love me. He loves you. Right? He loves you to send his son for you. And I know that right now it's hard to, to, to understand and to put these pieces together as everything is mixed up, as your world is shooken up. And you start thinking, how could this holy God love me enough to, to send his son to die for me? And we get to tell him, but today, he sent us, he sent this team to prove to you how much God loves you. To show you how much God loves you. Just some small portion of his love right we are here because god loves you and i know that right now you you are scared but i also know that right now he has peace he wants to give to you right i know right now you feel hopeless but i know that he has hope that he's just waiting to give to you and this was just some small tangible way that for the first time people could say hey this jesus guy might love me This story, and it was the same at every single house that we went to. We would show up at this house, and we would meet these owners, and they were hopeless. As you saw some of the pictures, they're they're staying there, and if they're lucky, they still had a house there. Some people had zero house, a a foundation, and maybe a, a pool and a fireplace was all that was left. It was just hopelessness, just going through their life, and all they were thinking is, what am I going to do now? Right? There's no way to come back from this. Everything is lost. There's nothing I can do. I'm never going to make it. This is horrible. But we would go and we would help them clean up. We would take out the mold. We would clean what we could. We would remove mold and remove all the debris and all the junk. And literally within 36 hours, they would stand in this new lot and think about the new kitchen they were going to have. Right? They were thinking about designing the new living room that they wanted. They were so grateful that the ugly bathroom was gone and they could start again. Right? Literally in 36 hours, they had a fresh place to start. They had hope. Right? They had hope. As we were leaving Sharon's house, I remember she said this to me. She said, you know, yesterday I was standing there and I saw the light at the end of the tunnel and I knew it was a train. But today I see that light and I know it's hope. And that's what we were there for. Right? That's what we were there for. And if we're honest, right, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been in that tunnel. We've all seen that train coming. 
right? But Jesus, right? But God, that he loved us so much that he sent his son. And it's that gospel that gives us hope. It's that gospel of Jesus that gives us joy. And when we pray, we should be reminded of God's love for us that was shown by him sending his son to die for us, to free us from our sins and to save us and to give us real, eternal life. And when we pray for others, our prayer should be filled with that gratitude of what God is going to do, how God is going to give them hope, how God is going to give them life. And yeah, when we speak, we are reminded of the awesome things he's done in our own lives and then we start to pray for these people and say you know what God you're going to do it again you're going to do it again for them you're going to show your power and your grace and your mercy and your love how do you not pray with thanksgiving when you know that's going to happen what he can do for him and that's what Paul is talking about is that we should have thanksgiving in our prayer they should be in our prayers we should be reflecting on the grace of God every time we open our mouths to speak to the father so that was lesson two. So right, first we should pray faithfully. We should pray gratefully. But then Paul goes on to tell us that we should pray purposefully. Right, we don't just waste words. Paul says that we are to pray that God would open doors for us to share the mysteries of Christ. For us to share the gospel. Right, that's, that's a mystery, a holy God that died for sinners so that we could be saved, so that we could spend time with him. We say, pray for open doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is no joke. Several years ago, I asked a mentor of mine, because it seems like every time I'm with him, he has like 10 opportunities to share Jesus with somebody. And I remember I asked him, and I said, hey, how do you do that? Like, how do you set up these conversations? How do you have these opportunities to share Jesus? And he was so confused when he looked at me. He said, well, I pray for him, don't you? Like, I pray for him. That's what happens. You pray for it. Like, God's desire is that people would know Jesus, so if you pray for the opportunity to share Jesus, don't you think Jesus is going to help you with that? Don't you think God is going to open those doors? And we did. We prayed for opportunities, for doors to be opened, to share the gospel the entire trip, and guess what? Those doors were flung open. So many opportunities to share the gospel the entire trip. Right? That's God's desire. Again, we looked at 1 Timothy and said this is God's desire that people would know the truth of Jesus. Why do we think he's going to make it hard for us to tell people about the truth of Jesus? When you pray, be purposeful. Ask for opportunities to share the gospel. And don't be surprised when you have them. God will do that. Remember, Isaiah tells us, though, and this is important, right? Because sometimes we say, oh, I want this door to be open. I want to share with this person. But Isaiah tells us that his thoughts are greater than our thoughts and that his ways are are greater than our ways. So guess what? Doors that you never see may be opened, but you gotta be ready for them. You've got to be ready for them. It may not be what you think, but he will provide ways. Listen to these. Joshua, he was a volunteer for Verizon Disaster Relief. Right, His job was to get, uh, to get FEMA up and running on the internet. His little table was right next to the chaplain table. Right? Guess who Joshua talked with all those days as he was waiting to do something? Door open, right? Door open. A guy that came to help that didn't know Jesus walked away after a week with his own Bible and reading about Jesus, right? John was a next door neighbor to one of the houses that we were working on and he came over and guess what he wanted to know? What is going on and why are you here? Door open. Mike was a guy across the street 
who saw what we were doing, and he said, hey, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of damage, but is there a way that I can get some of that mold killer that you guys have? Yes. He got a bottle of shockwave, and he got Jesus. Door open. I've already told you about cash, right? We got to talk to, to him about Jesus. When we were working on a house, a guy walked by the house to take a shower. There was a shower trailer down the street, so he walks by the house to take a shower. He's coming back. Hey, why are you guys here? Door open. Right? None of these guys were people that we prayed for specifically. We didn't even know who these guys were. They weren't people whose houses we were working on. They weren't people we had contacts with. But we said, hey, God, open the door and give us the opportunity to share. Listen to this. We had, we had to move this marble countertop. And the owner said, man, please keep that. And you know if you've ever moved marble countertop, it breaks. Right? It's really beautiful. It's really nice. If it gets uneven, it cracks. There's nothing you can do about it. We're looking at it thinking, I don't think this is going to happen. A guy on the team said, hey, there's, there's guys next door that were paid to clean out the house. Why don't we go ask them if they could help? So we went over to them and said, hey, could you guys help us move this table? They helped us move the table. We told them about Jesus. Right? <laughs> door open. Door open. And sure, I don't want to lie to you, there's going to be some people that aren't interested. Right? I can tell you a lady named Sherry. She had no interest in knowing Jesus. But now I know how to pray for Sherry. Right? I'm praying that somebody will care for Sherry, and I'm pr- praying that somebody else, maybe somebody else this week or next week, will be, have a door open to share the gospel with her. Right? So we have to pray with purpose. We are praying for God to open that door so we can share the greatness of Jesus with him. We pray for that. So these are, when we pray evangelically, evangelistic prayers these are important things right we pray faithfully we pray steadfast we pray we pray we pray we pray again right we when we pray man we we pray with gratefulness we pray with gratitude of who jesus is and what he's done in our lives and how he's transformed our lives and how he's going to do it again and we pray for that and we pray for purpose that he would give us those opportunities to tell people about him and church, when we do those things, something happens, right? When we put God first in our prayers and we're praying for God's will and we're, we're staying in relationship with him and we're praying and praying, guess what happens to our prayers? They change as we focus on God. But guess what? It's not just our prayers that change, it's us, right? We become different. Something happens when we do those things. It's not just our prayers that change when we seek God. It's us. And I believe in this following passage that Paul is giving some encouragement to those who read this letter that as you pray faithfully, as you pray gratefully, as you pray with purpose, your heart will change and so will you. Remember, we pray not to make God do what we want him to do. We pray so that our hearts are aligned with what God's doing. Right? That's why we pray that our hearts would be aligned with who God is. And when we pray like that, we will see, and as we look in the scripture, we will walk in wisdom towards outsiders. We'll make the best use of time. We will let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Right? When we are aligned with God, when we are seeking God, he tells us how to speak he answers all the questions that we are afraid that somebody might ask it's okay it's okay 
And if you've ever gone on a mission trip where prayer was your focus, you know exactly what Paul is talking about. Right? You, you have been there where you've had these conversations with people and you don't know how you've answered them, but it seemed to work out okay. And somebody said, well, what did you say? Like, I don't remember. Right? I, I'm, I'm changed. And we go on this mission trip and God works in our lives and he changes us and we grow in our relationship with the Lord. You've all heard these from people who've gone on these mission trips. You've heard these people say, I've heard these, had these spiritual conversations. Conversations I didn't think I was capable of having. I had them. Conversations with people I never expected to have them with. I had them. God opened those doors. And that is, those are signs, those are promises that we are walking in wisdom, that our speech was gracious, that God led you to answer each person as he desired. One of the men that we got to do his house, he was actually one of the houses we were working on. He grew up in the church, but he had since walked away. And he was talking with one of the guys on our team, and the guy was sharing his testimony with Daniel, and Daniel just broke down in tears. He just lost it. And the guy on the team said, I didn't even get to my testimony. I didn't even get started. I just was telling him how awesome it was to serve along my brothers and sisters in Christ that we would come together and serve him. Well, guess what? Daniel was lonely. Right? Daniel's family was all mixed up. He was lonely. He was struggling to have meaningful relationships with someone, anyone. He would take them. And here he's hearing this guy talk about the bonding blood of Jesus. And at that moment, our team member stopped sharing his testimony and started talking about Jesus and how Jesus can restore and fix relationships. He saw what God was doing in this man's life and the Spirit led him to ditch his testimony. That's not important anymore. Let's just take him straight to Jesus because sometimes we use our testimony so we can tell people about Jesus. He was ready. He needed to know about Jesus so he just went and shared with how Jesus restores relationships and how Jesus can restore him. And as this guy was faithful in his prayer that whole week, this Allen guy, and as he was seasoned with prayer, and his, his prayer just expressed his gratitude to God, and he was purposeful in his prayer, that when he had the opportunity, when that door was open, God led him with wisdom and gave him the answers and the words that he needed to share to comfort, to provide hope for Daniel that afternoon. And so when these people go on these mission trips, much like I did, and we say, oh, that mission trip changed me right God did something in that mission trip and my life has changed I'm going to let the secret out of the bag it's not the mission trip it's the dedicated time to prayer that you did right it is prayer that changes us here's here's the truth you guys ready for this you don't have to go somewhere else you don't have to go across the state you don't have to go across the nation you don't have to go across the ocean to be able to share Jesus with somebody You just have to go to your knees. You just have to go to your knees in prayer. And as I was reading this passage, this is what caught my attention. Just actually on the plane as I was preparing this message, this hit me. Paul is not writing this letter to a missions team. Right? Paul is not writing this letter to like missionary students or to some missionary on the outpost. You know who he's writing this letter to? The church. To you. This letter is written to you guys. And this is in line with Scripture, right? Scripture tells us, Jesus tells us that we are to make disciples as we go. And as you go, make disciples of all nations. 
that we are supposed to share Jesus where we are. Where we are on mission all the time. We are on mission as we go. And that, that you can get into all this literature and Greek, all this stuff, right? Here's what it means. As you live your daily lives. Right? As you go there, as you go there, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to Jamaica, as you go wherever, you're to share Jesus with people. Right? You are to share Jesus where you live. Your house is placed in your community. Your house, if you are a believer in Jesus, is a mission outpost for your community. Jesus said, hey, we need a missionary there. Hey, Christian, bang. These are your people. This is your people group. Right? My, my people group lives on Strathern Lane. Right? And your people group lives on your street. Your place of work is a mission field where people are literally dying to know about the hope and life that comes in knowing Jesus. Our church is a mission hub for our community. Right? Our church is a place where people are to come to meet Jesus, not to meet me. You guys are wonderful, but it's not to meet you. It's to meet Jesus, right? This is not Kendrick's church. This is not your church. This is Jesus' church, and we want people to meet Jesus when they come here. We are on mission. All of us are on mission, and here's the question. Are you praying like you're on mission? Are you praying now like you do when you go on a mission trip? Are you praying now like you do before you go on a mission trip? Are you praying now like you do after you come back from a mission trip? You're on mission right now, right? You should be praying for that. Are you praying faithfully for your neighbors to come to know Christ? Are you steadfast in prayer? Are you praying gratefully for salvation to come to those in your community, for those to come to your next-door neighbors? Are you praying purposely for God to open doors so you can share the love of Christ with others? Church, here's the thing about evangelism, is it starts with prayer. All evangelism starts with prayer. Are you praying? Are you praying faithfully? Are you praying purposely for the lost in your community? Right? It seems like we have no problem praying for the lost on some no-named island in a galaxy far, far away. Right? We have no problem praying for those people. But are you praying for the people that you interact with on a daily basis? Are you praying for friends? Are you praying for family? Are you praying for coworkers? Are you praying for next door neighbors? That's who you need to be praying for. Start there. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. How do, how do I do that? Where do I start? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Let's do this. Let's start with our neighbors. Let's start with people that live behind you, next door to you, left and right, people that live across. Here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, though. I'm going to ask you to pray for them by name, right? That you learn their names. And some of you are like, I've been in this house for 10 years. I don't know that. Well, go learn it. Go have that awkward conversation one time. It's better to have it at year five than year 15. And say, hey, I'm sorry. I should know your name. I don't know it, but I want to know your name. So you can be praying for your community by name. Here's what I want to do. I want as a church, I want to pray for all the households in our community by name. Can you just imagine what God could do if his people came together and started praying for people by name in their communities? What would God do if we just banded 100 different families, we each prayed for a few people, let's say 40, 
You can pray for 40 households. And you say, oh, that's, that's impossible. No, no, no. Just pray for 40, five a day. Right, pray for five a day, four neighbors. That's 4,000 households that somebody would be praying for by name in this church. And when we start praying, I'm anxious to see what God's gonna do in our hearts and in our home and in our communities. I want our church to pray for every household in our community by name. I wanna show you this slide. I, I don't know if you can see that. That's our community. We tested this out. So there's 10 homes that helped me test this out. Those little lights, there are lights in the neighborhood that said, you know what, I'm gonna pray for my neighbors. So I know as a leader and as somebody who tries to grow people, we wanna set that bar high and make people like stretch for it and reach for it and strain to get better. Well, I did something different this time. I set the bar so low, you can't go underneath it. Right, this is a low bar. All I'm gonna do is ask you to pray for five people a day by name. And you're like, okay, well, then I have to go meet these people. No, no, no. The bar is so low, you can't crawl underneath it. Here's what's going to happen. Calvary Church, we, we signed up. We created this account with Bless Every Home. And guess what happens when you sign up? You sign up and you say, I'm part of Calvary. Guess what they do? They send you the names of your neighbors. Not only do they send you the name, listen to this. They send you a prayer, right? So you got a prayer and you've got your neighbor's names to pray for. That's all it means. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't cost you anything. We've already created the account. You'll see things around the church. You go hit the QR code, and guess what? Every morning, you get uh, five names and a prayer. And this is, this is actually the email that I got. Hello, Kendrick. May the Lord help you and bless every home. They give you a suggested prayer, and then they give me the names of my neighbors. That's all. You, church, you don't even have to get out of bed to do this. Yeah, the alarm goes off, you just kind of reach for your phone, pull up, they'll send you a text message, you don't have to go to your email account, it just shows up, and you say, I'm going to pray for my neighbors by name, by, like, this is impossible to go underneath this, right, it is that low, but church, as you pray for your neighbors, you will begin to see them as Christ sees them, right, the, the lady with the dog, no longer becomes the lady with the fat dog. She becomes Maggie, right? The, 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 the crazy guy down the street is no longer the crazy guy. That's Jim, who Jesus loves, right? The house with the nice yard, that's no longer the house with the nice yard. That's the Joneses, right? Those are people that Jesus loves. Those are people that Jesus gave his son to die for. And now you know them. And as you start praying for them by name, right, not the guy with all the weeds, not the guy with the broken down car, but we pray for them by name, your heart will begin to change. And maybe, maybe your heart will change enough that you'll have an opportunity to minister to that person, to care for that person, that you will go out of your way to serve that person in some way. Right? As you begin to see them as Christ sees them, as you begin to love them as Christ loves them, Doors will open for you to care for your neighbors. And in God's time, right? This isn't a race. But in God's time, there will be a door open for you to share the good news of Jesus with them. Church, it might not be tomorrow. Right? There's a pastor that wrote this book on sharing Jesus with your neighbor, right? He, he literally wrote the book on it. it. Took him six years. Right? You got some time. Just start with praying for them and caring for them and loving them. 
right? We, we just pray for them. That's where it all starts with prayer. And as you're sitting there thinking, well, I can never share Jesus with them. Let me just tell you, it might not be your neighbor that needs changing. It might be you that God's waiting for. And so as we pray to God, he starts to work in our lives. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray. That's where we're going to start. We're going to start with pray, and we're going to pray some more, and then we're going to pray some more, and then we're going to pray some more, and then we're going to do what the Lord leads us to do. We're going to care for the person that the Lord leads us to care for. We're going to share the gospel with the person that Jesus asks us to share for. So if you're at home, go ahead and get your phone out right now. If you're in church, we're going to put a QR code on the screen. We've got QR codes all over. And if you're saying, hey, I'm going to commit to pray for my neighbors. I'm going to commit to do this. Get that QR code. Fill out your name. And you will be uh, added to our list and you'll get your prayer codes. If you're here in the church, you don't have to do the screen. They're posted around the church. Somebody said people like to look out windows, so they put some on the window so you can see them. Um, you can see and get that QR code. Evangelism is a scary topic. There was some study done, and people said they would rather talk about tithing than evangelism. But church, it's not that hard. And evangelism begins with prayer. Right? When we just depend on Jesus... We just give it to Jesus. We pray, right? All evangelism starts with prayer. And when we pray, we need to to pray faithfully. We need to pray with gratitude, remembering what Jesus has done for us. We need to pray with purpose. that's That's a scary prayer if you trust Jesus to say, Jesus, open the door for me to share the gospel. Because if you know Jesus, you know he's gonna do it. So here's what we do, church. We start with prayer, and then we follow where the Lord leads. Sign up, begin praying for your neighborhood, and let's see what God does for this community. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to send your son for us. And Lord, we would just pray in our own hearts that we would begin to love people as much as you loved us. That we would put our fears aside about sharing the gospel of Jesus with those who still need to know you. Lord, we pray that as we pray for others, that you would work in our lives, that you would change our hearts. Lord, we trust that you'll give us the words. We trust that you'll give us the wisdom. Lord, we just pray that we would have the courage to follow you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's precious and holy and gracious and loving name of Jesus that we ask these things. And the church said together, amen.